You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we're going to talk another episode about misconceptions about NASM. And today it's misconceptions because of the ulterior motives that other people may have. The ulterior motives. When I looked up ulterior, it immediately said beyond what is obvious or admitted. It is intentionally hidden. There are some people on social media, believe it or not, that have ulterior motives. And through that, they might do some NASM bashing. So this is where it came from. One of my IG followers reached out because he follows someone else that is completely against NASM and its principles and its teachings. And so this guy sent me a link and he was like, hey, check out this guy's, look at his stuff and let me know. And so anyway, I looked at his stuff and there was nothing I didn't really disagree with. I mean, I don't disagree with the majority of the content of what this person was teaching on his Instagram page, at least based on what I saw. And I just thought it was strange that it's, he very much is against what we teach, but teaches things that are very similar. But then there was the misconceptions that come out. And it started out with, you know, don't go to NASM because they do 10 to 20 minutes of a warm-up and a cool-down. So between 20 and 40 minutes of warm-up and cool-down collectively. And uh, listen, I'm sure there are a lot of people who, I'm sure there are a lot, I don't know. I'm sure there are some people who may need that, but I don't train them. And I never have in the 20 years as a trainer and uh, 14, 15, 16 years as an NASM educator, I've never done a 40-minute warm-up, cool-down combination. Uh, I Actually, I have a 90-year-old client, this man that uh, we maybe we maybe do a 20-minute warm-up. And part of that is some partner-assisted stretching. We do core work. We do balance work. And then we could do some resistance training. And when we do that, there's still some balance worked into the resistance training portion. And then we partner stretch at the end for about five minutes. But he came to me for balance, the purpose of balance. And part of the NASM warm-up is basically all that stuff before you get to resistance training is considered a warm-up. So the core, the balance, the reactive, which I do sometimes actually supply or ground reaction force training with my 90-year-old client, but not a lot. And then speed, agility, and quickness, which I don't really, I don't do with him. But all of that, if you added that, that would be part of the warm-up. So for some people, that warm-up, which is a workout, can be well over 20 minutes. But also, he had a gripe with the foam rolling. And I, I got to say this, it's uh, foam rolling pre-workout isn't a mandate or the NASM police are going to come and they're going to remove your certification. You can't be certified anymore. You didn't foam roll. Foam, roll, foam rolling is a great way to loosen up tight muscles which are the ones that need to be rolled. You're rolling the, the short, tight, overactive muscles. You can also roll the overactive, lengthened muscles that might be, in some instances, like an anterior pelvic tilt hamstrings 
or the mid-traps and rhomboids and people that are protracted, though that is not as important as the shorter muscles that are leading to a dysfunction pattern by pulling you into um, uh, that, that upper cross syndrome or the anterior pelvic tilt, the lower cross syndrome. What, why do we do it? We do it. It's nice. It brings blood flow to the area. It goes brilliantly with static stretching. Certainly it releases or causes those muscles to calm down their tonicity prior to going into a lift. And it works well with static stretching and active stretching and dynamic stretching following it, depending on which phase you are in the model. But they all assume that everything is static stretching, which as you know, static stretching goes in tandem with the very first phase of the OPT model then active stretching, then dynamic stretch. Oh, you're the people, you only static stretch. Where did you even get that? That doesn't even make any sense. That doesn't even make any sense. The OPT model doesn't teach that. So you're just going to pull out pieces that you don't like and go, NASM teaches this. And because I don't like it, then you don't have to do it. And, and you don't, you don't have to do it. And, and your clients don't have to do it if they really don't like it either. Look, this is... This is good. It, foam rolling is nice. Is it needed? No. Is it a good technique to incorporate? Of course it is. When I look into it more, there's a clear MO that this person had, and that MO was buy my stuff. I want you to purchase my things. And that is the ulterior motive. That's the hidden motive. Look, I'm going to dump on this other company and because I did it, and because you also maybe don't like doing this, then then I, maybe you don't like foam rolling. Maybe you don't like static stretching. And then you've got somebody that agrees with you that says, foam rolling, you don't have to do static stretching. So now come to my side and buy my stuff. And you go, oh, I'll buy your stuff because I agree with you. And listen, you, you, can, you can get certified and you can go through and learn a lot of stuff about human movement science and never apply it. And the sad truth of the matter is that most people go through and they learn stuff and they never actually apply it. Oftentimes they pull the lever on the toilet bowl brain and just let it all disappear as soon as they're done. You got to apply the information. And when you apply it, and the application of information is really hard. Memorizing is actually not the hard part. The application of the information that you learn. That can be really challenging. And so let's go back to the foam rolling. Do most people love foam rolling? I'd say probably not. I have a client that just today, before I came here, uh, I was mentioning that I had an issue with my, my back and my butt after I did a, a self-administered mobilization. I was like, oh, that just probably irritated it more. And he goes, oh, you should foam roll. And I was like, oh my gosh, I've been trying to get you to foam roll forever for your stuff. And he was like, well, you tell me about it. My physical therapist tells me about it. And, and I don't like doing it. I finally started doing it and I feel so much better. You should do it too. <laughs> All right. Well, do you have to though? Like, no, no, you, you don't have to. Why did he not do it until he finally got to a point that the physical therapist was like, hey, you, you really should do this as your stuff to do when you don't see me. And he, he hated it, but he started doing it and now he feels a lot better. So do most people love foam rolling? No. And this person probably exploits something within the NASM components that many people just may not care for. And they use it as a means to tell people 
what they may want to hear. And you don't have to do it. And then if you don't have to do it, now you agree with me and you can use my stuff and buy my stuff. Look, I don't mind that he's selling his own information. But look, there's so many components to the workout. There's a warm-up. And in the warm-up, there's self-myofascial release. There's stretching. There's static stretching, active stretching, dynamic stretching. There's cardio, V1, V2. Well, you do V1, V2. I like zones one through five. What about zones one through three? I, I mean, that's all good. But we used to teach those. And now we teach V1, V2. That doesn't make the other ones wrong. That doesn't make this righter. It just makes the ones when we do V1, V2 the ventilatory threshold one, ventilatory threshold two, makes it easier to follow, makes it easier to do without having to have a quantifiable uh, device on you. You go by your ventilatory threshold. And then there's core work and there's core stability, core strength, core power, balance, stability, balance, strength, balance, power, plyos, SAQ. And you don't get all upset and say, oh, they don't do SAQ, they're wrong. They do SAQ and they're wrong. And these are... These are options. I'm talking about the recipe book before you even got to resistance training. And now we're here. Now you can do resistance training at the end. You can do a cool down. But listen, you do all of these things. And this is a recipe. And we put the recipe book together for you. And if somebody is allergic to garlic, the people who write the recipe book don't take out the garlic because you're allergic to it. Like you're, you've got sweet peas in there, but you don't like sweet peas. Well, that's, that's in the book, right? But if you don't like it and it doesn't make you feel good, doesn't, doesn't fit with you or the people that you're serving, don't put the sweet peas in there. But it's a really good book and I'm not out there thrashing somebody else's recipe book so that I can sell my recipe book. And ASM doesn't do that. There's no belittling of any of the other um, companies that are out there, why not? Because they teach good stuff. I mean, I think it's fair that you say, look, you are out there trying to create education just like we are. And yes, it's a business and businesses try to make money, but we are a business that is making money by trying to do the best products possible. Hiring some of the best people in the business that study and research and put it together in a recipe book that you can then take it and apply. And as you get to be the better chef, you can start putting together your own recipes and you'll always remember that's the recipe I love from that book. You know what? I got my foundation in that book. That's what, that's what we're looking to do. And we put together the warm-up, SMR, stretching, cardio, core, balance, plyos, speed, agility, and quickness, your resistance training, your cool down. All these are options with the OPT model. And it provides a systematic and a progressive way to create change in the body of the people that we work with. Similar to the question about having a client that doesn't buy in yet in the stabilization endurance training. Have you ever had that? We get to stabilization endurance and you start working with somebody and they're like, I don't want to do anything like this. I don't like to maybe stand on one leg and do balance training, or I don't like to do high and high repetitions and very slow repetitions. And do you, do you just force them to do that? I don't. Sometimes I try to convince people that I think really need it. I convince people to try to do that and just give it a shot. 
but do you force them to do it? Otherwise, you don't train with me. No, I'm the one that will make the adaptation. I'll make the change. What do you want to do? Great. If that's what you want to do, I'm going to move towards that. And I'm going to start with doing what you want to do. I'm going to start it that way. And then I'm going to slowly pull you over into my side and be like, that's really good. You pick an exercise. I'll pick an exercise. How about that? And they go, oh, that's fantastic. And they pick an exercise and they say, okay, cool. You pick that exercise. I'm going to have you do this, which is a three, two, one tempo, a very slow tempo push up with your hands on a bench. Oh, good. Instead of 15 reps, I'll give you 10 reps. They get to 10. I was like, that's pretty good. You probably get one or two more. Can you get 12? Yeah. Okay. All right. And what are we doing? We're coaching and we're training. We're getting to do what they like and slowly start implementing some of the things that they need, some of the things that, that we may find helpful for them, that they may eventually find helpful for themselves. But are they mandated? They are not mandated. But what they are also not to the social media bashers out there is wrong. It's not wrong. You take your short, tight, overactive muscles and you foam roll it before you start lifting? Not wrong. Do you have other things that you want to do? Cool. Do it, chef. But don't, this recipe ain't wrong. It's not. In fact, it's a very good way to provide a workout for the clients that are there. Why? Because we take their short, tight, overactive muscles that might become synergistically dominant and we start to calm them down. We maybe stretch them afterwards. We do activations for the muscles that are, that are underactive. And then we do an exercise routine that allows those muscles to work together. And now you've put together a really smart, a really sophisticated movement prep a very sophisticated warm-up for your client that's specific to what their needs are. And how does that help them with their goals? Well, hopefully that allows them to move, feel, and function better. And those tight muscles aren't jumping in, trying to take over. Some of the muscles that we're trying to get activated, I can't, listen, y'all, you can do hip thrusters all day long. And if you do hip thrusters and you hear, I feel this, where do you feel it? In my hamstrings, I feel it in my posterior adductor magnus. I feel it in my back. And you didn't say one time you feel it in your glutes. You didn't feel it in your glutes. You can't take this moment and start to downregulate some of the activity in the hamstrings, some of the activity in the, the posterior fibers of the adductor magnus. Loosen up maybe some of the muscles on the front so the range of motion gets a little bit better. Do some pre-activation for the glutes before you start going into it. Now the glutes and the hamstrings are working together during that hip thrust exercise, during that bridge exercise. There's, not, there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, there's a lot right with it. So what does that mean for the haters? The people that are out there hating are going to do that. It doesn't matter what you tell them because they have an agenda to sell what they're going to try to sell. So all the people out there on social media who send me stuff and be like, hey, Rick, can you comment on this because this guy is against NASM? Why would I comment on it? It doesn't matter what I say. There's always an angry person that's going to get angrier as soon as you start to, to try to engage with them. As a matter of fact, there's a, um, there's a great quote, and I cannot remember 
And I'm not calling these people a bigot. It's just a quote that makes a, a very good correlation. It says uh, that a, a somebody that is a bigot is like the pupil of an eyeball. The more light you shine on it, the more it contracts. And so that's just a correlation, not calling anybody a bigot. But I am saying that there is a prejudgment that their information is elite and our information isn't. And the more you start to shine information on it, how this makes sense, the more they start to contract, the more they double down, the more they buy into their own stuff without ever allowing light in from the outside. They contract against it. Uh, I I don't know how, how fair that is, um, but I do know this. I do know that people will do nearly anything to sell something. And that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> to quote the great Forrest Gump, that's all I got to say about that. Anyway, y'all, thanks for listening. Uh, I want you to, to keep doing what you're doing. Be out there. Keep encouraging people to, to be fit. Um, you know, be, be objective with stuff. Because we want you to, to look at it. And, and, and I want you to say, like, are there other components in the OPT model? Does that make sense to you? You know, trust in yourself. You need to trust in your abilities. You need to take time to let it sink in. And if it comes to foam rolling, you find a way that makes it less awkward or awful. <laughs> skip it and go into something else that helps to support your client and that's going to help them move better prior to getting them to start movement. That's all I want. That's all I want. And if you find ways to do that, that's great. That's great. I just think NASM has a really stellar way to help create that. It's not the only way. But it also ain't wrong to apply it. All right. Y'all stay out there with your clients. Keep them energized. Keep them involved. Uh, get them to participate in the workouts. Make sure also you, thank you so much. The the numbers of the podcast have been increasing. I want to say thank you very much uh, and continue. Like, subscribe, share, leave a comment on whatever platform you listen to. That's also greatly appreciated. Uh, and it also helps me to get a better idea of what are some of the things that resonate with you so that I can provide more of that. If you want to reach out to me to tell me exactly what resonates with you, you can do that on Instagram. You can hit me up at dr.rickritchie and DM me there, or you can send me an email, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thanks for listening. Keep inspiring people to fitness. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.